On today's Locked On Texan podcast, day two of joint practices against the Miami Dolphins, more offensive line concerns, while now it is time to really get concerned because of the front five's production or lack thereof. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Just post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Remember, terms and conditions apply i am your texan football analyst john some sports guy hickman of course i'm joined by none other than texans beat reporter credential media member for sports illustrated covering the houston texans cody davis if you are new to the locked on texan podcast thank you for stopping on by to talk texan with us make sure you subscribe like and comment to the locked on texan podcast wherever you get your podcast including YouTube. If you are one of our returning players from the Himalayas, thank you for coming back for another episode. Again, while we cover your team every day. Nico Collins had a good practice catching two big passes, one for a TD while being covered by Noah Noah Ibagwane, one of the cornerbacks for the Miami Dolphins. Excuse me if I butchered that name, but we'll get into that later, the, the day that Nico Collins had. C.J. Stroud hits Tegan Quatoriano for a touchdown during 7-on-7 drills. So it's good to see the sophomore tight end get back in on some of the action as he's missing a good amount of time, actually. But between the penalties, the missed assignments, the interior offensive line had a rough day throughout day two of the joint practice blocking the Dolphins' defensive front. So I think it's important that we start there. Cody, walk us through what day two of joint practice looked like for Houston as they prepare for Saturday's preseason game. Well, before I dive into the offensive line, I do want to mention that day 16 of training camp, the energy wasn't there. And I get it because at this stage of training camp, players and coaches themselves, they are just ready to start with the 2023 campaign. You know, I remember this time last year and the year before that, you know, going into that second preseason game, you know, it's, it's basically – the dog days of training camp because everybody is ready for these games to really start counting. So you can truly see what you are working with. However, the one thing that was consistent for the Houston Texans day 16 of training camp was that offensive line. And that was not a good thing. John, ever since the injuries to Scott Quisenberry and Titus Howard, this offensive line has not look good and keep in mind I was one of the ones that looked at the Houston Texans starting five and thinking to myself man this can definitely be a top 15 offensive line in the league I remember saying that during OTAs I remember saying that during mandatory minicamp I remember saying it through the first seven days of training camp however day seven Scott Quisenberry goes down a couple days after that Titus Howard goes down if we have truly seen the impact that has made on that offensive line. Now, before I get into the negatives, I do want to mention this. In terms of run blocking, they do a decent job. 
And that's not surprising because one of the biggest things that I was high on when I looked at the addition of Green last year, it was literally due to his ability to be a very reliable run blocker. Once again, at Texas A&M, this is a young man who recorded a run blocking grade of over 70, according to Pro Football Focus. And he has showcased that same ability here through his first two years with the Houston Texans. However, in terms of pass protection, he still needs a lot of help. And the same thing with Juice Scrubs. Now, when you look at the right side, I'm not too concerned. Yes, George Fant looked terrible. Yes, Austin Deckerless looked terrible as well. However, I'm not really too concerned about the right side of that offensive line because there's one thing that's going to happen come either week one or week two of the regular season, and that's going to be the return of Titus Howard. Now, I understand he's not going to be, you know, scratching scratching the surface of a Pro Bowl caliber of Titus Howard that we are all used to seeing because I'm pretty sure it's going to take him some time to get back into the rhythm and being the player that he was prior to that hand injury. However, at least 50% of Titus Howard got to be better than what the Houston Texans are rolling with right now. However, my biggest concern is that interior. Of course, I'm talking about green and I'm talking about juice girls. As a matter of fact, Following day two of joint practices, I had an opportunity to ask Coach D'Amico Ryans about his evaluation of this offensive line. And then Brooks Cabina of the Houston Chronicle followed that up with what is the concern level with the interior itself? Our offensive line is, is still working through things. They still have things to improve on, not only the offensive line, just as a team. I think each position, not to single out one group, each position has something to improve upon. And that's what training camp is all about. And guys are heading in the right direction. You do see guys getting better each day. And that will continue to be a process all throughout the year. I think interior pressure is you know, something that really stops all offenses, right? You have to be solid in the middle of your in the middle of your offense, right? You want to be solid in the middle of your defense. You want to be able to threaten the pocket as quickly as possible. So there's a there's a, there's a competition right there. Who's going to stand up and make the play? And we have to be, you know, really good in the middle of our offense as a center, the guard positions, back stepping up and protection as well. Guys have to be solid there. The Houston Texans offense as a whole did struggle against the Miami Dolphins, especially in their um, passing game. However, a majority of the struggles that we saw was due to the inabilities of this offensive line. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Super simple, super easy. Add your job, then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So again, make sure you check out LinkedIn Jobs when you visit LinkedIn Jobs to post your job for free. Make sure you visit LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers, to this Friday episode of the Locked On Texan podcast. Thank you for stopping by. Today, I think it was very important to talk about Nico Collins, mm-hmm. a guy that I think we just don't talk about enough. And I think mainly because I think I've said it before. Well, I've said it before. Nico doesn't get a lot of the targets and opportunities maybe during camp. And he hasn't had it in that one preseason game, right? And so for Nico, he can kind of get lost in the shuffle. But guys, don't under don't miss don't misunderstand what a six four wide receiver that can run a four five four four five can do for your team. Uh, on on Thursday, made a couple of big plays for Houston, and the hype right now is centered around Tank Dale. But mm. Nico had a good day for Houston in this offense who also, for the receiving group overall, I think they did a better job, Cody, stop me if I'm wrong, for kind of making up on some of the drops and some of the opportunities mm-hmm. that they had on day one of joint practice. And so looking at Nico Collins, the kind of day he had, what should Houston Texan fans expect from this third-year wide receiver? Well, before I get into that, I do want to mention that Nico not only had a great day 16, but he just had a pretty good, a pretty solid um, joint practice performance against Miami in general, because I also go back to Wednesday. He had a nice catch on Xavier Howard. And I look at Nico Collins and I can't help but to get excited. As a matter of fact, if there is one player that I am most excited to see for this upcoming season, it's Nico alone because the, the let's let's just break down a couple things we've been saying about Nico Collins. First and foremost, let's just look at the quarterbacks that he has caught passes from. Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Tyrod Taylor, and Davis Mills. Out of all four of those quarterbacks, the best quarterback that he had an opportunity to play with is Davis Mills. And that's not saying much because that goes into part of the reason why we have a rookie quarterback starting for the second consecutive preseason game in C.J. Stroud. So you look at the quarterback play, then you also got to take a look at the fact that all four of those quarterbacks, not only was they play subpar, but a lot of times they was looking at Brandon Cooks and Brandon Cooks only, especially Davis Mills. And that was one of the knocks that we had against Davis Mills through his first two seasons. However, CJ Stroud, as of right now, I know a lot of people are saying that Tank Dale is his favorite target, but I will go on the limb and say right now I think he has two favorite targets, and they're about what and what. And that's not only Tank Dale, but it's also Nico Collins. And I truly do believe that playing with C.J. Stroud, playing with a better offensive coordinator that's going to put him in the best position to succeed, you're automatically going to get a better version of Nico. And not only that, the biggest not a, the biggest knock against Nico has been his durability. They say the best avail- the best ability is availability. And as of right now, Nico Collins has battled with several knickknack injuries. You can't predict whether or not this is going to be an injury plague season for Nico. However, when I look at the first 16 days of training camp, Looking at him win his one-on-one battles against Xavier Howard. Look at him on countless occasions win his battles against Steven Nelson and Derek Stingley Jr. Like, just those three names alone lets you know that Nico Collins is going to be something special entering his third season, and I'm not the only one who believes that. And Nico, throughout camp, he's shown that he's a big play threat. 
deep passes down the field. He's made a lot of big-time plays in practice, and we're expecting him to do the same thing when it comes to the games. My favorite part about watching Nico Collins over these last two days, John, this wide receiving core has been subpar at best. Um, Wednesday, couple drop passes. On yesterday, the offense had a very – terrible time trying to find their rhythm um like i mentioned in the first segment majority of that was due to the inabilities of that offensive line however it seems like when there's going to be moments throughout the season where the offense is going to struggle nico collins is going to be that safety blanket to kind of get things going and that's what i saw over these last two days and that's definitely what you want to see out of nico collins i'm not about to sit here and argue and fight and say that you know whether or not he's about to take the helm as wide receiver number one it will be good trust me but he is definitely going to take a step forward for the Houston Texans in 2023. A better version of Nico Collins means you're going to see a better version of C.J. Stroud. A better version of C.J. Stroud means you're going to see a better offense production in general. Better offensive production in general for the Houston Texans means you're probably going to get a couple more wins for this upcoming season. And the thing about Nico is Nico has the ability to be your possession receiver as well mm-hmm. as be a receiver that can make a play 20-plus yards down the field, right? We've seen it in small samples uh, going back to his rookie year, him and Davis being able to connect a time or two here, a time or two there, going back to his sophomore year, more moments. But overall, he's able to be the guy on third and eight because of his body and his ability to box out the defender, just kind of throw it in his vicinity. He'll go go get it and move the chains, right? Move the Mm -hmm. chains. He's also a guy that what we've seen in the camp, and if you pay attention to the miscues of the offense last year, you would have saw more of a, more of those opportunities. But he can also beat a player deep, man. I think he has done a very good job of improving on his ability to get open. Matter of fact, as, uh, I'm as, sorry, as a route runner. I'm sorry to cut you off, but the play that he had yesterday against Howard. That was the perfect example of him using his route running ability in order to get get open. And I believe and it was uh, people forget about his four or five, four, how four many, or five, like the 40. He has some <laughs> speed on him, guys. How many times did I come on this show? I think one day last week I came on the show and was like, Look, Nico Collins literally used his speed to beat Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah, no, 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 Nico still has some speed, and, and, and honestly, from what he was doing when he came out of college to now, he looks so much more and for his size a little twitchier but he looks faster mm-hmm. he also looks leaner as well so you're looking at a player going into his third year third offensive coordinator third <laughs> uh, you know head coach we know the deal he needs those opportunities and we look at an offense that we are not 100 sure how many attempts that they'll take downfield how many of those explosive plays that they'll have throughout the course of a season? Nico needs to be the guy that when they need a big play, we're calling your number because we know you can do it. You've done it against Xavier Howard. You've done it against Derek Stingley during practice. At times last year, you did it against different corners, didn't get the opportunity to get the to get the ball, to get the stats, but you, you're, you've been able to beat a corner deep. So now I just kind of want to see it all come together for that young man.
With our game this week, we'll play all our all our players. We'll play all our players. will see time in the game, and that's how we'll go about it. CJ will go out first again as he did last week, and you know, we'll judge the game as it goes along. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Locked On Texans. Tomorrow is preseason game number two for the Houston Texans. Um, they will face off against the Miami Dolphins inside NRG Stadium, I believe. Kickoff kickoff is at three o'clock. John, one of the things that I'm looking forward to in this second preseason game, of course, the biggest thing, the ongoing development of C.J. Stroud. And for me personally, it's not even what we're going to see, whether you're watching it on TV or you're going to the stadium itself. For me, it's going to be what CJ and Coach D'Amico Ryans, what they're going to say after the game. Because following yesterday's training camp, we had an opportunity to talk to Damian Pierce. And Pierce was talking about some of the things that CJ Stroud is working through, especially in terms of the playbook. And, you know, he said, look, CJ has done a really good job studying the playbook. He know his place. He know where everybody's supposed to be. He said, but the one thing I want to see him improve on is his play calling. He said a lot of times when they in the huddle, he'll get tongue-tied try to, trying to remember, you know, how to say a certain play and to put everybody in their position. And, you know, he talked about how important this game is going to be on Saturday because it gives him an opportunity to go out there and try to improve his play calling in real time. And, John, that is something that's very important and probably one of the most overlooked get one of the most important attributes for a rookie quarterback in order to get accustomed to playing this game on the NFL level. And I think the longer CJ plays on Saturday, I think that's definitely going to improve his ability to be a better play caller come the start of the regular season. Yeah, man. Tua, you know, uh, Tua did that at joint practice. Was it earlier this week? Was it on Wednesday? Yeah, it was on Wednesday. He, he, he did, did it with the, the media. He, he, he did the, the play call and, and asked the media to say it back to him. Like, yeah. So, um, and uh, boy, I wish I was there. I would, I know I would have got it wrong. But yeah, you, I like that. But you know, getting comfortable at all of the smaller things, right? You mm-hmm. want to see your quarterback do that. This is preseason. Uh, I think there's a few of us who believe. Houston has a shot to actually win this division. Who it's a few, all right. (laughs) You know, it's a few, but this year isn't a New York Jets type of year where you traded for Aaron Rodgers. It isn't a Buffalo Bills type of year where you have Josh Allen, the guy that you are expecting to at least make an AOC championship game. Same with the Baltimore Ravens and what they've been doing with their, their franchise for Houston. This is about just building off of what was going on the past couple of years. And now mm-hmm. that C.J. Stroud is your quarterback, you expect the baby bumps. You you expect the ups and downs, but you do want to see him get better at the small things. So that way, when he's in year 10, he's thriving. And a lot of that stuff is second nature. One of the things that I'm ready to look forward to is Damian Pierce playing mm-hmm. in live action football. And I believe that this is a good test for him because there won't be a Titus Howard, the offensive line interior, at least the interior offensive line, excuse me, they've been struggling. So I want to see that adversity coming from him because we've deemed him as a 1,000-yard rusher. We've deemed him as the running back for the future, rightfully so. But how can he impact the game when it's not that pretty? So you know what that Mm -hmm. calls for. How can Houston – 
in this offense and Bobby Sloak and Damian Pierce himself get involved offensively in that passing game. So I want to see that because we talk a lot about CJ taking what the defense gives him. He's going to be going up against a defense with Vic Fangio, who you know is going to make things a little bit difficult for you. So if your running back is open, dump it off to him and allow him to make a move in open space. And overall, I want to see Nico. I want to see Nico purposely involved, the same way we saw Tank Dale involved when Davis Mills was out on that field in that first preseason game, excuse me, against the New England Patriots. So I want to see Nico. I want to see Nico have an opportunity to prove why he's this team number one receiver. Another thing that I want to look for, look look at Saturday is how the secondary kind of bounced back after a subpar practice day. I mean, they they had moments. As a matter of fact, I think Stingley. No matter matter of fact, Stingley did um, record an interception doing seven on seven play. Um, and not only him, I think Desmond King also recorded an interception as as well. However, when they switched over to eleven on eleven. <laughs> Tyree Kill, my God, I'm talking about he ran through the Texans secondary. So I just really want to see how are they going to bounce back after somewhat some adversity, because if you think about it, going all the way back to day one of training camp, almost every single day I have been, you know, raving about this Houston Texans defense on all three levels. And the front seven did their job against Miami on yesterday. Don't don't get it twisted. Um, as a matter of fact, Jonathan Gennard um uh, was one of the few defensive linemen who ended joint practice on yesterday with a sack. However, like I mentioned, Tyree Keel using that speed ran through the Texans secondary. So I just want to see you know what type of adjustments they're going to make, and of course. With this being, you know, only preseason game number two, as a matter of fact, Mike McDaniel didn't even say whether or not Tua is going to play, but he did say he does expect majority of his players to play. So, you know, if Tua Tyreek goes out there on the field, please make sure to keep an eye on how the Texans secondary try to contain Tyreek Hill, even if it's just for a drive. How can they beat their speed, right? I mean, that's something we talked about earlier in the week. Yeah, how can and they, they, and they use it. The, they, and I don't know, maybe the communication wasn't there. That's the only thing I could think of because I go back to Wednesday where they contained, everybody. They, 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 no, they, they contained the speed except yeah, for that one 60-yard yeah. bomb he didn't hey, catch. Tyreek but Hill the communication was everybody. there. The, the communication was there, and they did a better job Wednesday. But like I mentioned, maybe it's because the energy was kind of off with everybody on yesterday. The communication wasn't there, but John, at the end of the day, like you said, Tyreek Hill beats Tyreek Hill eventually beats everybody. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But, you know, again, what's their counter to their speed? And for Bobby Sloyd, what's your counter to Vic Fangio? We're talking about, we're talking about you know, C.J. Stroud and how can he be – how can this offensive coordinator, right, who's in a room with Shane Day and Bill Lazor, how can they counterpunch back to Vic Fangio's defense? So I want to see that as well on Saturday. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked on Texan podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Texan. Also, give us a follow, subscribe, like, comment on YouTube as well. And follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. Oh, John, finally stop using that dial-up internet service, huh? All right, guys. I'm sorry. I apologize. It was a neighborhood outage going on, but, you know, we're here. 
And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Make sure you check me out this Saturday as I do my Bleach Report post-game reaction.